welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 538, recorded live on Saturday, December 2nd, 2017. And here are your hosts, the man who's got plans for later today, Dave Pillay. Hey! And the man who says plans, what are those? Andy Lowe, hi. <laughs> Things you had before you had a kid. Yeah, plans? <laughs> oh yeah, no, sure, plans. Right on. You, do you remember that? Yeah, what's, Having what's the, plans? What's the what's the saying from the Art of War? The uh, no plan out uh, survives. I don't, I don't think that's from Art of War. I think that was much more recent than Art of War. <laughs> Some quote about plans in the battlefield, right? In preparing for battle, I've always found plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. No battle plan survives contact with the enemy. That's probably the one that you're thinking of. Uh, no, the observation actually originated with Helmuth von Moltke in the mid-19th century. The Prussian Moltke. field marshal's version was not so succinct, however. What he wrote was, Therefore, no plan of operations extends with any certainty beyond the first contact with the main hostile force. Yep. Helmuth von Moltke. Moltke, Moltke, I think, Moltke. Moltke? Yeah, I think it's Moltke. Wikipedia's got to have a... Uh... Was was he the elder or not? I can't remember if that was supposed to be the elder or the younger. Because there were actually two Helmut von Moltke's. Yeah, I see that. He's uh, to distinguish himself from his uh, nephew. Yeah. <coughs> And they were both, like, very good generals in the the Prussian and German armies. Oh, oh. I'm guessing it's the elder because his theory of war states that uh, he regarded strategy as a practical art of adapting means to ends. Mm-hmm. So. He's, he's the guy, um, the elder is the guy who almost marched Prussia to Paris. In fact, did. This is before Prussia was Germany, uh, when Bismarck was was working on, like, unifying all of it together. Uh, Moltke was the one who was leading the army, and almost, like, basically they did capture France. That was when France was under the rule of Napoleon III, and they took Napoleon III prisoner. It was really cool. There's actually a, a good um, extra history about it on YouTube if you're interested in that sort of thing. I do have to say, I've been actually, you know, YouTube's got a lot of documentaries on there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. They have documentaries. Know, they have the, the things I kind of prefer over documentaries, though, because documentaries can get kind of boring <laughs> for me. I don't know. Um, I like video essays. I've been watching a lot of those. Mm. In fact, one of our topics is one of those. I don't, I don't know if you want to jump into that already. Like, that's a very small um, rant section, back and forth section of the show. But, like, we could. This is a great segue right there. Well, also, you know, we, you have us on a time limit, so. Yes, but we've started recording. That doesn't change at that point, right? True. <laughs> whether we spend more time on the opening or more time on the topics, that's no different. 
I guess it's different when it comes to like the 67 specials mm-hmm. where you add in an extra seven minutes of content because we just couldn't shut up. Or the 76 specials where we really didn't shut up. Really? Yeah. There are both of those, right? Yes. Okay. I think they the started out specials as specials are usually we have we have guests. Those are usually uh, yeah, the no, it started out as a 76 special because the 76 special was actually an incendiary grenade used in World War II. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay, then. Mm-hmm. Why did we name our show style after that? I don't know. The 76 special, was uh, that was the incendiary grenade. There was the 73 <laughs> grenade, which was known as the thermos because it looked like a thermos. Yeah, I... I think everyone guessed that. I don't think you actually had to say that. No. Like, huh, why would they call it a thermos? Oh, because it looks like a thermos. Mm-hmm. So were the normal grenades called pineapples? Uh, not all of them were pineapples. Although if you search pineapple grenade, the result is the Mark II grenade. Mm. Introduced by the U.S. Armed Forces in 1918... Shit, World War One was crazy. Well, that was at the end of World War One, wasn't it? World War One finished in nineteen seventeen. Yeah. Thank God. Otherwise, this would have been in use. I mean, the Mark One was in use, which sucked. Yeah, when American forces entered <clears throat> World War One, they lacked a fragmentation grenade of their own. Mm-hmm. The French F one grenade. Hey, that's a pineapple-looking grenade. Why are we spending time looking at grenades from? <laughs> I don't know. It's from from World War One and Two. This yeah, probably sir- is not the best use of our time. Service history of in service in 1915. You never thought of grenades, you know, in World War One. Right. Like, wouldn't that change trench warfare? I guess the the trenches were far enough apart. Yeah. You can't hurl things from one trench to the other. That that probably would have changed the warfare a little bit. Yeah. It became apparent that the Mark I grenade was quite difficult to use in the field. The grenades were often not ignited properly before being thrown, and enemies would return the grenade, this time properly lit. Oops. (laughs) A mistake only made once. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It's funny until, like, you know someone whose grandfather died in World War I. Yes, due to somebody else or not. great grandfather, I guess. Probably not your grandfather at this point. No, because grandfather would be... Well, see, Kate's World grandfather was... No, that would be... Yeah, I think he was born after yeah. World War One. So, yeah, it would have to be great-grandfather. Or, you know, our parents' generation. So, like, your dad's grandfather. Yeah, probably, yeah. In any way... <laughs> uh, Video essays on on YouTube. I've I've really taken to liking them, and I'm not sure what you'd consider a video essay. Like everything wrong with. Are you familiar with that channel? Yeah. The the CinemaSense, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Is is that that's a commentary, right? Like that's not an essay. No, that's a commentary. But would game theory be essays? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are those would be considered essays. So. I, I do watch a lot of commentaries and a lot of essays, and I actually just added to our list of topics today, uh, it's called the Templin Institute, and this is really me sneaking a, a random review in as a topic. Ooh. 
now that I realize what I've just done. Like, this is really just putting in a random review as a topic. Uh, but I, I, this was so cool, I had to share it. And, and I, I had to just put it in there. Because it's a series of video essays and, and histories of fictional entities. I see that. Including an eight-minute video on the Brotherhood of Nod. <laughs> that, that got it for me. That was a minute right video there. about the United Nations Space Command. Yep, the UNS video about Black Mesa. Oh, this is funny. It is awesome to to just sit and watch some of these. They they are taking suggestions. Uh, you know, clearly based on their header, they knew what they were going to do for their first round of videos. But just like it was awesome. I'm I'm yeah. So thought I'd put that up there. Sorry, I gotta stop watching the videos. Of course, you had to link directly to the YouTube page. Oh, you were watching the video? (laughs) Andy, that actually does inflate our runtime, because (laughs) you you removed the silence. Yes, I know. Yeah, no, there's there's your afternoon. Sitting there with Isaac, watching about the Romulan Star Empire. No, I gotta actually gotta figure, probably, the afternoon is probably gonna be laundry. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that's fine. You don't need to actually watch the video. True. It's it's mostly audio. It's all like stock footage of whatever thing they're they're talking about. So like for the Romulan Star Empire, it's a bunch of of clips of Romulan warships from Star Trek. Cough, cough, cough. Mhm. Oh, poor baby. Yep, and we've just been probably passing it back and forth between the two of us. Somehow Kate's been, you know, immune to this. So. Good. Um, we should probably start talking about other things then. Sure. What would you like to talk about? Well, speaking of fictional entities, civilization governments. Okay. Those aren't fictional. Well, they're like fi- civilizations have governments. Yes, I know, but I'm saying Civ, you know, Civ 6 just had an expansion announced. Oh, Civ 6. Okay. Yeah, what about it? Well, there's now a uh, new announcement for a... Uh, for an Civ- expansion. For expansion, yes, for Civ Six. Okay, you you were trying to use the idea of fictional entity as there are fictional entities in civilization. Therefore, let's talk about civilization. Yes. I see. That had not been made clear. Sorry. I hope I've now made it clear for people. Yes, no, Civ Six has announced that their first expansion for Civ Six. uh, is out yeah well it's not out well it's it's not out but it's announced yes uh rise and fall Mm -hmm. so i talked with someone i know who plays a lot of civ 6 like he plays it most days uh he's he's interested in it because he says currently by about two turn 200 you have a pretty good idea of who's going to win yes yes i can agree to that 100 percent and and so the new expansion is is going to try and shake things up a little bit by uh, golden ages have been a staple of the civilization series for years. Yep. I mean, of course it has because Civ Five is already like ten years old. But uh, for for many versions previous to that, there have been golden ages. I think all the way back to the first. Uh, this expansion adds dark ages. Don 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 that you and your civilization may 
enter into a dark age where you have less production and less science. Kind of crazy. How terrible would it be, Andy? Because you play Civ 6, right? Yeah, sorry. Somebody was trying to call me, so I'm declining it because I don't know what the number is. How terrible would it be if when you entered the Dark Age, you had the chance to lose technology? Oh, that would be ridiculous. And then you have to research it all over again. I'm also a fan of the idea of, like, I wonder if I could force someone else into a Dark Age. Oh. Like, it's no longer just military combat, like, social combat. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to rig their elections to bring about this, you know, civil split and force them into a dark age. That, Your baby I is wonder if you can do that with, like, you know, diseases and such. Right. Where, you know, you have to keep up a certain level of sanitation. Oh, God. And if you'd like to start destroying someone's... I think that would be a pretty good mod. Well, that, would, that, that would just be on your thing natively. there, because, you know, if you if you build up your civilization too quickly, size-wise, without, you know, getting basic sanitation stuff in there, it increases disease in the city, mm-hmm. and you start to lose population. And if you have enough cities that have so much disease, uh, an outbreak of some kind, or a plague of some kind... Civilization pandemic. Yeah, no, something like that, where literally, like, you know population starts to to fall and then because of that you know you start you might fall into a dark age of some kind that's crazy or you know if you can't battle the disease maybe you're literally your civilization gets wiped out <laughs> oh gosh all right all right okay so expand this even further with continents yeah you know if some of your neighboring oh, civilizations could be yeah you know when you make first contact you could bring disease with you yes or, you know, if you make first contact, maybe they have a disease that you get. Yeah. So it could go both ways. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, that the, the thing with it going both ways is thinking of just like, well, well, we'll just anyone who's going to die from a disease will die in transit. Right. It's yeah. that's I mean, think about it. like the Americas certainly had diseases that would have gone through and destroyed half of Europe. Yes, but. Right? Or yeah. maybe not? I don't know. Like, why didn't that happen? There are actually theories and, and essays about it. And Well, yeah, I know. That was the book club it. book that I had suggested that you didn't was read. It? Cool. <laughs> I mean, that's most of them, Andy. <laughs> <coughs> I haven't done a book club book in, like, a year. I know. What are you doing with your life? Um, well, shit. I, um... <laughs> existential crisis what am i doing with my life pokemon what are you doing later today you're doing something later today crap i i gotta go sit down and think for a little bit (laughs) well you can't do that because that will expand the podcast even farther uh what am i doing later today like what is the thing that i have i actually have a deadline for i'm tutoring my neighbor i didn't see that one coming ha i'm i'm on are you on next door yes weird like area-based social network Yes. So I, I rarely poke my head onto next door, but I happened to poke my head on at just the right time when a neighbor was saying, like, I have a son who's in advanced algebra two and needs a tutor for this weekend to get ready for an exam. And I'm like, I kind of know that stuff. And, you know, 
did education. Yeah, sure, whatever, I can do it. And so I, I, I got to, to do that, and I'm going to go over there. And do you want to guess how much she offered to pay? No, I'm okay with not guessing. $30 an hour. I could see that. I can't. Good Lord. $30 an hour for well, a tutor? That's um, there have been uh, people who have contacted me for in the radio industry. Yeah, to try and be an independent contract, an IT contractor for their uh, business, which I can't do because there's a, I have a non compete clause in my right. contract. But the prices that people were willing to pay to have you know someone with experience, yes, you know, how much it uh, ballpark. The, uh, one of them was three figures. Most of them were high two figures an hour. Oh, my God. This the is what fuck? happens. Well, this is what happens when you're a young guy in a field where everybody is unfortunately dying off. Retiring. 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 Just say the word retiring and you're fine. <laughs> Damn. Yes. I should go back to school to learn how to weld. Well, no, because then you're just going to get replaced by a robot. Not in-house. Electricians yeah, but, and welders, man, they are. That is actually a, a booming industry right now. Yeah, I could see that. Plumbers, they're all retiring, and no one in our generation wanted to go into a blue collar job. Nope. Yes, welders are getting replaced by robots in factories. Yes. On factory manufacturing, days. yes. Right, but you don't go into welding to go into manufacturing. You go into welding to go into like construction. Yes. Those people are still. Quite gainfully employed. Uh, it's kind of funny, though, is actually that could uh, employment. And speaking of electricians, <laughs> this okay. could actually segue to a really? topic. Yeah. Really? Yes. Go ahead. All right. A 60-year-old electrician in Perth, Australia. Oh, I saw this article. Yeah. See? I mean, geez, they had nothing to do with being an electrician. Yes, but he was an electrician. And he had a phone. A PDA. A PDA. Personal that, digital assistant. Yes. that uh, Provided had, by his company. Yep. That was tracking his GPS location. Which is a little weird. Just want to put that out there. Like, your company uses the phone that they gave you to track your position. Just put that out there. That's a little weird. Yes. It's, that's, a, that's a little big brother. Granted... <laughs> He was out golfing when he should have been working. Yes. That's not a good thing. No. So he hid this from his company by keeping the the PDA in a foil bag, like a candy bag. More like a like a chips bag. Right. Foil line chips bag. The mylar yep. will block all the electric signals. It is it is opaque. To radio waves. And so he would be like, oh, I'm going on site to go do some repairs. And then would put his PDA in a chips bag. Crisps bag, actually, because it's Australia. Yep. Uh, and then would go and play golf. Which is theft, to be yes. clear. Yes, that is. Like, he is stealing the company's time. That is theft. And no surprise, uh, they found out about it. Well, they didn't find out about it. They got tipped off that he was, you know, playing golf from somebody, even though he should have been working. And then they pulled, you know, his data. And, you know, there was just, there was a lack of data. Like, there's nothing here. 
Yeah. Why couldn't he have just left the PDA somewhere? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's not like he could get phone calls on it while it was in the bag. Nope. Assuming it actually is a phone. Yeah, this one might have just been like a, probably like a ticket system or something. Right. But so even probably, that, he wouldn't get any of it while it was in the bag. No, it would have just been offline. Right. So why didn't he just leave it somewhere? I don't know. So, yeah, he, he got in trouble. He yep. got fired, actually. And the court upheld the firing. Yes. Saying, like, no, you clearly knew what you were doing. You're an electrician. <laughs> you protested this when it came out. You knew what you were doing. Yeah. And you were playing golf while you were supposed to work. Yep. I've actually gotten to do that, just to, to kind of do a little humble brag. I've gotten to play golf basically clocking those hours because we, we have a, a special time code for team celebrations. Ah. And we, we went out and celebrated uh, an accomplishment by playing nine holes of golf. It's not counted as, like, actual time of doing something. But you were technically on the clock. Yep. But, like, that doesn't count for your week's hours. You're on oh. the clock, but you're not really on the clock. Like, it's counted, but your your manager will look at that and be like, that doesn't actually count. In any case. Yeah, there's been, you know, there's been stories from other people at my company, you know, who... Uh, has been gone out to like the shooting range and stuff during their time on the clock. So, okay. But no <clears throat> golf, golf would be interesting. Yeah. Golfing while on the clock for 160 times. Jeez, 160 times. Yep. Now going, going back a, uh, a topic back to Civ six. And the Civ Six expansion that they announced. I did want to point out, in fact, the reason I posted this article was not, hey, look, there's a Civ Six expansion. The reason I posted this article was, hey, look at the graph of games on Steam and where Actually. Civ Six is versus Civ Five. Okay, so where is Civ Six versus Civ Five? Lower. Really? Much lower. Uh, the peak player base of Civilization VI for the day that they took this screenshot was 20,000 players. Now, first off, just to be clear, the peak player base of Player Unknown Battleground was 2.6 million players. <laughs> oh, jeez. So a lot of people still playing that game. Uh, but Civ V was a peak of 33,000 people. So half again as many people are playing Civ V as playing Civ Six, hmm. I love that Terraria is just under Civ Six. Talk about games with staying power. Where is that chart in Steam? How would I find that? Because it's like the Steam statistics. It's out there somewhere. Uh, Store.steampower.com/stats. Yep. Yep. View top hundred most played games. Yay! Factorio's on there. Ten thousand five hundred players. Uh, so today, 5 and 6 are a little closer together. The peak today for Civ 5 is, I just lost it, 
41,000. Uh, 40, yeah, 41,000, and the peak for six is 31,000. So it's getting a little closer um, today than it was when the article came out. And once the expansion comes out, it'll probably swap for a little while. Yes. Uh, but the thing to remember about Civilization games is the game is usually pretty awesome. The expansions are where it gets really good. The, the game is good. The expansions make it interesting. Yeah. Granted, yeah, as you pointed out, Civ Five came out... Ten years ten, ago? Ten years ago. Right? No, seven years ago. Oh. Release date, 2010. Yeah, and I still have both of them sitting on my desktop here, so... As do I. Mm-hmm. They're both good games. Mm-hmm. So speaking of uh, PUBG... Uh-huh. Uh, it came out, announced that uh, Tencent was teaming up with Bluehole, right? I think we talked about that last week. Um, I think it was on the topics last week. I don't think we actually talked about it. Oh. Well, Tencent had formed a partnership with Bluehole to bring PUBG to China. Okay. Keeping in mind, just to be clear, Bluehole is the parent company of PUBG. Yes. Okay. Um, so they're bringing it to China. Yes. To add another couple million players. It's not also, it, not only is it coming to China, but it's also going to have a mobile version. Ha. Huh. That's weird. Mm-hmm. A mobile ver. I mean, I haven't played PUBG, to be clear. So I don't know what a mobile version would... I've, I've seen it. I've watched people play it. Yeah, so I've, I've watched people play it as well, so I don't know. Would that work out mobile? I don't know. I mean, you, keyboard and mouse is still going to kick your ass mm-hmm. for accuracy. Like, the hell? If they can do it, that's awesome. If they can do it and bring it to the U.S., that's awesome. I wonder what they're going to charge for it, because they can't charge full price for it. It's a mobile game. Will it be the same experience, or is it a, a similar experience? Well, according to the translated, the Google translated um, announcement here that I'm reading, mm-hmm. uh, CEO of PUBG and Vice President of Tencent said, thanks to the excellent accumulation of PUBG on the PC terminal and the teamwork between the two teams, the progress of the mobile game preparation is very smooth, and in the near future, Chinese players can enjoy the genuine game anytime, anywhere on the mobile phone. Damn. The two companies will join hands to launch PUBG Genuine Mobile Tour, which will perfectly restore the classic gameplay and elements of the original PC game on the mobile terminal. Meanwhile, it optimizes the mobile experience such as the shooting feel, server hosting, social networking, and competitions that the majority of players care about and strive to live up to the common expectations of player fans. Your baby is making the cutest noises. <laughs> Damn your microphone. I'm sorry. Um, that's weird because one of the things that Bluehole is working towards is esports with PUBG. Which also is kind of weird, right? Because, like, it's a hundred players. A single match is a hundred players. Yep. I'm imagining a ring of a hundred computers, and as players are killed, the spotlight over them gets turned off. Uh, how would that... I was just trying to think of, like, the... the you start out with a ring of a hundred computers, and then as people die off, you know, 
they get pulled out of the circle and the circle slowly starts to I, I I was thinking about that. I wouldn't want to do that because I don't want to move the players while they're trying to play. True, because they'd be moving to the side. Yeah. And jerking them around. Yeah, no, that wouldn't work. No. You could do it where like the final two players get to get brought forward or something, but even that, just no. No. Don't move them. Just leave them in the circle. Zoom just in on them the on the lights. video, but turn the lights off over all the other players. Like when you die your computer should just go dark. It should just shut off. Yeah. But how would you even do that with, like, phones? I don't know. Just have 100 people sitting there with their phones? I don't know. Have you ever been to any of the Hearthstone uh, fireside gatherings? I have not. Is that a bunch of people playing Hearthstone on their phones? Most of the time, yeah. Phones and tablets. Are there real fires? No. Well, then that's lame. Why would I go to that? I don't know. I don't play Hearthstone. Not anymore, at least. Ours are always so far away. Oh. You poor thing. (laughs) Except now I just checked it. (laughs) Except now. Except now I just checked the list. Yeah. And there's a uh, fireside gathering uh, tomorrow at 1 o'clock. At the game store that's just down the street from where work is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they are so far away. They're so, so far, far away. away. I can't get to it. It's like a four-minute drive. It means getting well, in the car. Normally, they're like, you know, like Valparaiso or Muskegon or Benton Harbor. All these that are like 40, 50 miles away, and all of a sudden, there's one. Oh, yeah, no, there's one down the street from you tomorrow. It's just Whoa. so far I mean, I don't want to have to drive like that. (laughs) It's Sunday. I just want to relax. That's you. That's that's you. What you sound like. So you're going to go to the the Hearthstone Fireside Chat or Fireside Play? I don't know. I didn't know it existed until literally just now. Well, now you know. That's why I was going to say like, oh, yeah, they're so far away. They're in like, you know. All the rest of them are listed, you know, 40, 50 miles away. But then the first one on the list, oh. Tomorrow, tomorrow, down the road. Down the road, yeah. You could go take Isaac and just, like, sit and play Hearthstone. Yeah, I don't think that would work. No? Probably not, nope. Okay, so leave Isaac at home. (laughs) Go and play Hearthstone. Um... Space. I was going to go with somewhat mobile gaming, but we can go with space. Nope. Space. Too late. I called it. Space. Space. Voyager 1. Is... Vija? No. First off, that, that's supposed to be Viger. Viger. Sorry. And and Viger was, I believe, like Voyager 6. Like, it was not Voyager 1. It wasn't? Star Trek The Motion Picture, 1979. Oh, yep, Voyager 6, you're right. Woohoo! Look at that! Not bad. Not no. bad. Uh, Voyager 1, which we just launched... Well, we didn't just launch. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we just we, launched Voyager 1. Yeah, just, just a couple of years ago. <laughs> Uh, Voyager 1 has left the, the solar system, and evidently 
we can still communicate with it, mm-hmm. and it still works. Yep. Like we sent it a message to to realign and to to use its thrusters, and they worked. Not not the normal thrusters because there they are two sets of thrusters on Voyager. Yep. The the ones that they have been using are the altitude control thrusters, which are the ones uh, that kind of. Are, are you sure? There you go. Sorry, not altitude, attitude control thrusters. The attitude control thrusters, yes. Those are the normal ones that they're using, but they're degrading because... angry or calm or or happy? I'm ignoring you for time reasons. Okay. Then they, uh, what they're using now, though, is the trajectory correction maneuver thrusters. But they aren't correcting its trajectory. They're just re-angling it. Well, the trajectory correction... I guess that is correcting its... Oh, no. No, it's not changing the trajectory. They're just spinning it. Well, what they're doing is, because the TCM thrusters were basically like you would burn them on for a long period of time and then shut them off while you're near the planets to help you, you know, align with the gravitational slingshots and all that stuff. Yeah. So uh, they were like, I wonder if we can use these in little burst mode that the attitude... (laughs) Control so, thrusters so to be clear, not only did we talk with something that is like 19 light hours away, but they they used it in a way that it wasn't intended to be used, and it worked. Yes. God damn, NASA from the 60s is awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy. So, so yeah, they, they, did, they plan yeah. on switching over to these other thrusters in January and to use them until basically the... Uh, because they have to have they have to use more power to use these guys, but they actually work rather than you know the attitude control thrusters. So they're going to turn on the, these heaters, use these other thrusters, completely not how they were supposed to be used, until they run out of power, and then they're going to switch back to the other ones. I wonder how long the original mission expected to go. Voyager 1 original mission. I think Voyager 1 was kind of just, you know, once it had reached the... <laughs> go until it can't go anymore. All right, here's the timeline. All right, let's see. Uh, Voyager 2 encounters Uranus. Uh, let's see, 1989, they turned off... And I accidentally hit the stop recording button, dang it. Oh, no. This is what happens when I get distracted by Voyager. I accidentally <clears throat> hit the wrong button. Yeah. Are we back up? Yes. Okay. I don't know how long the first one was supposed to be viewed. Pale Run. Blue Dot was 1990. That was not Voyager. No, that was Voyager. The Pale Blue Dot picture? Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. Because it was the, the Pale Blue Dot from like a long, big distance away, not Blue Marble. No. Blue dot, not blue marble. Right. So yeah, I think the uh, Voyager one probably looks like it lasted. It's supposed to last until the eighties. So that's when it encountered Saturn, and then they went off on their own way. And then Voyager two lasted until nineteen ninety. Uh-huh. So it's you know, gone a long time. Yes, certainly longer than they thought it would. But yeah, no, it's kind of neat that it's still working. Speaking of space, mm-hmm. uh, SpaceX announced what the first payload is going to be for the Falcon. To Heavy be clear, rocket. to be clear, 
SpaceX did not announce this. Elon mm-hmm. Musk announced this. Okay. He he is SpaceX. I mean, he, in every like conceivable, meaningful way. But technically, the company didn't state this. Elon Musk stated this. He decided what the initial payload is going to be. Uh, and, you know, it needs to be something where if it gets blown up on the pad, no one's going to care. But also, it's an opportunity to be kind of cool, because what they're going to try and do with it is put it in orbit around Mars. <laughs> the first payload of the Falcon Heavy, if it goes off, is going to go and orbit Mars. Well, that if you're tr- testing out the the heavy, it's got to go somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, if you can show that your rocket can reach Mars, that puts you in a very elite category. Right. <laughs> you you all of a sudden have entered into a very different realm of people. Yes. And nations. But we have we haven't announced what Elon said the payload is going to be the honor is all yours sir it's going to be his car his tesla roadster yes cherry red tesla roadster and he said the car will be playing space oddity by david bowie now i'm not sure what they mean by that it's not going to be playing it the entire way no because sooner or later it's going to run out of juice right so is it like just during launch probably it would be kind of funny if they actually put, like, you know, um, solar panels on the thing. Just so to as power the player? Yeah, as it's orbiting Mars, it just, you know, keeps the uh, keeps. keeps the radio going. Right. Uh, probably not the radio, but, no. yeah, this, the, the speaker system. Also, will it be in a container with air? I don't know. Because if it's playing it, like, that's that's great, but you won't hear anything. Nope, because, you know, in space, nobody can hear you scream. Or sing Space Odyssey. Yep. Odyssey. Uh, is, are they going to be playing the, the Bowie version? I hope so. Or the, um, God, what's his name? Scott Kelly? No, but they've got, they got to do Bowie. You got to do Bowie. I mean. the Well, the other one was the astronaut who actually sang it on the oh, International yeah. uh, Space Chris, Station. Uh, Chris Hadfield? Yes. That's, that's the person I'm thinking of. Wow, where did I pull that one out of? I have no idea. Where did you pull it out of? I don't know. Somewhere. Okay, then. I still can't believe this, though. So this is going to be... if the, So they're going to do a static test later this month, I do believe, where they're actually going to fire all the rockets at once just to, you know, make sure it works. Um, and then, you know, if that works off, then next month they're actually going to launch it from Launchpad 39A. Where, you know, the Apollo moon missions were launched from. Yay. <laughs> so it's like, Launchpad has, you know, all the, 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 the stoic history. and the history of the Apollo moon landings. And he's going to launch his car. <laughs> yep. Because Elon Musk can do what Elon Musk wants to do. I just love it. The This isn't the first time, though. The article says that the Dragon spacecraft demonstration flight in 2010 carried among its cargo a giant wheel of French cheese. <laughs> a giant wheel of French cheese. Yes. Just because. 
Well, uh, according to Elon Musk, it was inspired uh, by a friend's suggestion and the British comedy group Monty Python's Cheese Shop sketch. Oh, my God. But they didn't have any cheese in the cheese shop. No, they didn't, because I guess it was in space. But the cheese is in space. Never mind. Have you listened to the cheese shop skit? Do you know what is in the cheese shop skit? There is nothing. They're out of everything. Fresh right. out. Yeah. Expected delivery yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I'd say he's putting his car into space. So here's my big concern, and I'm, I'm hoping someone at NASA has, like, approached him about this. When NASA puts something on another planet, they are very careful to make sure it has no microbes. Well, he's not going to land it on Mars. He's going to put it in orbit around Mars. Yeah. But Uranus, if it crashes onto Mars. Right. So, yes, he's going to have to sterilize his car. Which is going to be, like, impossible. No, you just, um, because it's an inanimate object, you could, uh... Irradiate it? Yeah. I guess. But it's also a metal object, right? You can't irradiate every part of it, interior and exterior. I guess if you slammed it with enough neutron radiation, it would. Spacecraft sterilization. There's an actual PDF about it. Oh my god, of course there is, because it's the government. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else? Anything else? Well, speaking of Tesla and SpaceX and all that jazz, uh, DHL has said that they're getting some of the electric semi- Tesla, the Tesla, Tesla semis. Semi-trucks. Yep. Yeah. How's that for a customer? The number four shipping company in the U.S. out of four shipping companies in the U.S. Yep. They're bigger in Europe than they are here. Yeah. But the semis aren't going to be for Europe. They'll be for the U.S. Yep. The Switch is selling really well. It's outpacing the Wii. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And the Wii was printing money. Mm-hmm. The Nintendo Good. Switch is on track to outpace the Wii by 20% over the first 10 months of sales. Good time to be Nintendo. Especially after, you know, the Wii U. It was just like, ooh. That was not a good time to be Nintendo. No. Now. It was a great time to invest in Nintendo. Yes. The Wii U. Does does the Nintendo Switch, is that disc or cartridge-based, or what is it? Cartridge. The Switch is cartridge-based. Hmm. They went back to cartridges. Which makes sense, because, you know... You can fit more on a cartridge again. Yep. And also, it needs to be handheld, and spinning a disc does not make a good handheld system. Nope. Has trying to run with my CD player many years ago has shown me. Yep. So, no, it is cartridge-based. There's a little uh, port in the top of it. The president of Take-Two, though, has said that he feels that physical game sales are going away completely anywhere from 5 to 20 years from now. That's Ken Levine? Uh, Carl Slatoff. Oh, okay. Well, fine. I think he's wrong. Well, I don't know. He said, how long? 10 to 20 years? Uh, He says, over the long term, it will be 100% digital. I just can't predict whether that will be 5 years, 10 years, or 20 years. It's probably less than 20 and maybe more than 5, but I think ultimately it gets there. 20 years? moving in that direction. 
I, I could give him 20 years. But... Because look at where it was 20 years ago. Yeah, that was... 1997. 1997 was uh, CDs. Yeah. Right? We we'd moved to CDs. Nintendo was still using discs. Or cartridges. They meant cartridge there. Yeah, because that was, that was the PS2. That was before the Xbox. Was that before the PS2? No, the P- PlayStation was 94. So the PS2 was... 97. Yeah, we were in 7th grade. So this was the PlayStation Super Nintendo. Uh, 64, probably. Nintendo 64, probably, you're right. Yeah, 96. Hey, who knows this console dates? <laughs> Not this guy. <coughs> so yeah, this was I'll PlayStation this N64 era. Okay, I get yep. where we're at now on the curve. Keep in mind, you're forgetting something. Oh, excuse me, you're forgetting something, though. You're making it sound like at that point it was Nintendo versus Sony. At that point, it... Sony was a new entry. Is the Genesis even still around back then? How about the Sega CD and the Sega Saturn? And the Dreamcast? Uh, Dreamcast was later. Dreamcast was later? Dreamcast was around 2000. Uh, 1999. Hey! <laughs> Dave's just checking these all off on his list. I'm feeling pretty good about point this. Point for Dave. Point for Dave. Sweet. Score after score after score. I'm going to say the Sega Saturn was out in 97. Sega Saturn. Released in 1995. Oh, too late. Discontinued in 1998. Yeah. I mean, it was already, like, the fall of Sega at that point. Yeah. They they were not doing well. Yeah, okay, so this, according to Wikipedia, we're in the fifth generation of video game consoles, which began in 1993 and ended in 2002. That is a long generation. <laughs> Atari Jaguar was 1993. Sega Saturn was 1994. Count. No one got it. Sega Saturn people picked up. PlayStation was 94. Nintendo 64 was 96. Yep. 3DO Interactive. So so the, the story of the PlayStation and the N64 is just so, so interesting. Because Nintendo got, like, so completely caught off guard. Yes. Yes, they did. Which is why their next console wasn't out for two more years. It was supposed to be a joint project. It was a, a CD drive for the Super Nintendo. I Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. And then there, there was some stuff that didn't work out, and Sony took their idea and ran with it. Man, that is such... So yeah, you're looking at the, the fifth generation with the N64, then the PlayStation comes out, and then right after that you have, you know... The Dreamcast, the PS2, the GameCube, and the Xbox, which I feel like that's one of those, like, if you know how comic books are broken into, like, eras? You know, yeah, the Golden like, Age, the Silver Age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, that between the fifth and the sixth generation, that is right there, like, one of the ages of video games. With the, uh, usually it's referred to as the 64-bit era, or the fifth generation. Although it wasn't the fifth for Nintendo, right? Because Nintendo wasn't in the first couple. No. Nintendo had the NES, the SNES, the 64, the GameCube. Did the GameCube? Yeah, GameCube jumped to the Wii. 
Yeah. Right? There was nothing between those. Nope. Yep. And then the Wii U and then the Switch. Yep. And some other projects in there. Virtual Boy was in there. <laughs> Let's not speak about that. Uh, we should. I mean, it's it's worth bringing up. It's worth pointing out that Nintendo was right. They were just 15 years too early. That is true. Yes, they they did have that many. I remember playing the it. Virtual Boy. Yeah, and you got a headache from it. Yes, yes, I did. Nintendo has, has actually been very good about figuring out where to go, but not how to get there. No. Right? Think about the, the Virtual Boy. Think about the Power Glove. These were Nintendo products that were way ahead of their time, and unfortunately were also way ahead of their technology. Yes. We should probably start wrap up. Yes, I'm looking at that right now. Yes, we should. Okay. Well, speaking of Nintendo, Dave, it's your <laughs> review. I would like to review Zelda The Breath of, Breath of the Wild. Not The Breath of the Wild, which would have been another good name for it, actually. Yes, it, The Breath of the Wild would have been um, a good thing there, because I remember watching uh, Ben and Lila play this game. Yeah? And, yeah, no, the map is huge. It's, it's a big map. It's huge. Uh, well, it's an open world game. It's not everything, huge. Everything's an open world game now. I mean, come on. Well, not everything. Many things. Uh, so it's an open world action RPG. It's a new Zelda game. It's a new Zelda paradigm. It doesn't fit with a lot of... Like, there, there are elements to this game where, like, yeah, that feels like Zelda... And there are other elements where it's like, that doesn't quite fit with my mind of Zelda. Um, it, it's worth pointing out, it is not the first open world Zelda game. No, that would have been uh, Ornica of Time. Ocarina of Time. Ocarina no, of Time. No? Keep going. Well, the original Zelda was pretty open world. It was world. entirely open world. Remember what we said, Nintendo did things before the technology was there. The yeah. first Zelda was actually an open-world action RPG. It, it didn't quite have, like, a quest system or a map or any of the stuff that you would expect in a normal action RPG, but it was all there. Um, you wouldn't know this because you haven't played the original yet. No, I haven't. Not going to rise up to that? Nope. Just letting okay. it go. Damn it. I want to watch you play the original. I think it's going to be hilarious to watch you play the original. Um, so there, there are elements of this that feel like that original Zelda, right? The original uh, exploring the world and uncovering things and like, oh, I wonder what's over there. And I haven't gone this way yet. And hey, look at that. And, and it comes back to what Miyamoto wanted when he made the first game, that it was supposed to be reminiscent of exploring the countryside and so there's a lot of that it is um very open in fallout and skyrim when you are exploring you don't have to go very far to interact with things in zelda a lot of it is empty space and that's that's good it actually works out well for the system it gives you this sense of travel this sense of wandering I think the difficulty curve at the beginning of the game is a little steep. 
they they didn't I didn't feel like it was weird. I I felt simultaneously like patronized because they were trying to hold your hand through the tutorial and be like, okay, now click this, now do this, now do this. At the same time, as soon as the tutorial was over, I felt like, holy shit, everything kills me. (laughs) So it was frustrating on both senses of like, okay, I did all this stuff. Yeah, that was fun. But now that I'm out of the tutorial area, I don't know where to go because everything kills me in one hit. That's that's my main critique, I think, is just the the ramp up time was painful. It was painful from the tutorial's perspective, and then it was painful from I'm not powerful enough to deal with this shit. Now, some of that is just inexperience, like you don't know the game yet. Later on in the game, there's a place you can go, and I'm going to be very vague to avoid spoilers. There's a place you go where when you get there, you immediately lose all of your equipment. But you only lose your equipment. You don't lose your health bar. You don't lose your stamina bar. So you are already more powerful than at the start of the game. But it it is there to kind of give you that sense of here's how far you've come. Here's a challenge. And we're going to take away all the stuff that you got. Go do it and see how much easier it is than it was at the beginning of the game. Part of it is it's easier because you have more health and more stamina. Mm hmm. But it's also easier because you just know the game a bit better. You know the environment. You know the enemies. You know the mechanics. I'm really enjoying this game. I'm I'm really enjoying it. And I think having it on the Switch is awesome because I really enjoy the Switch. And I like the fact that I can just take the entire console. I found out. Now, this is not saying this. This might be more of a commentary about men's pants. I was able to fit the entire Nintendo Switch in my front pocket. <laughs> that's, yes, that's about, that's men's pants are like that, yes. Yeah. Like, I, I had on a pair of pants, I'm like, I need to go somewhere. Can I take this? <laughs> I try, I'm like, yeah, it, it just fits in. It actually fits in, like, kind of comfortably. Like, it's not sticking out. It's not, like, a struggle. Like, it just, it slips into my pocket. Yeah, my, uh. My Kindle Fire at work can do that. Yeah, I, I can literally just put it in my pocket and just walk away. Yep, I I can put a Nintendo <laughs> Switch into my pocket. <laughs> Kate says we suck. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Laura can't put her phone in her front pockets. Yeah, no, Kate just said she can't do it either. Yep, I can I can throw an entire Nintendo Switch <laughs> in my front pocket. <laughs> Which was great. So, like, I I went to a friend's house to play Pathfinder, and I usually get there a bit earlier than other people, so I was bringing the Switch. And I didn't end up playing it there, but on the way home, I stopped to pick up some Chinese food. And so I placed the order, and then sat down on the bench, and I pulled out the friggin' Nintendo Switch, and I played it in the restaurant. Nice. Because that's a thing that you can totally do now. And it was awesome, because I'm like, I'm just playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's this really big console game. Now, if I wanted to spend the money, I could play Skyrim like that. So, Zelda Breath of the Wild, a lot of fun. Really enjoying it. Great game. Feels very Zelda-ish, for the most part. There are a couple places where I'm like, this doesn't seem like Zelda. This seems more like friggin' Skyrim. I could see that, yeah. But it's, it's, it's good. I'm enjoying it. Well, that's good. 
random topic. Random topic rolled ahead of time. Yes. What scares you the most about dying? As I'm sitting here, you know, during this podcast, coughing up both of my lungs. You are not coughing up your lungs. No, Is there blood when you cough? No, there's just lots and lots of phlegm. Then you're not dying. When you start coughing up blood, then you'd be scared yes. about it. Yes, no. <laughs> Blood is supposed to stay inside the body. Anytime yeah. that it leaves the body, it's normally a bad thing. Yeah. Well, kind of. Like, cuts bleeding is, is actually a defensive mechanism. Yes. Because it washes out the wound. Yeah, but, you know, bloody noses, bloody stool, yeah. coughing up blood. Yeah, those aren't good. No. When the blood comes out of its own accord... <laughs> When the blood comes out of anything but a small cut, that's not good. Yes, that is true. Yes, if it was a large cut and it keeps coming out, that's also a make. That's a big. That's a big problem. Yeah. But, okay. So in general, blood should stay in the body. Yes. What are you afraid of dying? What scares me the most about dying? Yeah. Well, I kind of would feel bad leaving Kate alone with Isaac. You know, I'd feel bad that, you know, Kate, you know. Right. You have a son now. Yes. I think the answer is very different now than a year ago. A year and a half ago. Well, you know, yes, I have have the son now, and so, you know, it would suck for him not to grow up without a father sort of thing. But I also, you know, even a year and a half ago, I'd feel bad leaving Kate alone. It would just, it would suck for her. Yes. What am I most afraid of, of dying? Leaving things unfinished. Not experiencing the things that I wanted to experience in life. And losing the opportunities to make more differences. Not making enough dis- difference in the world? I, I, I think I'm making some differences. I mean, not like global differences, but I'm making differences in the world. But it, it would be losing the opportunities to make more of them. That's a really deep question. I know. And a second was... existential crisis for the morning. Um, <laughs> I think we're good. So, what's Dave doing with his life? And what's Dave afraid of with death? I don't. I, <laughs> damn it. <coughs> David's scoring all these points, but they just don't matter. They don't matter. What am I doing with my life? Scoring points, but, you know, points are. But you don't get to take those with you? Nope. You don't. What if you do? Oh my god, what if, what if, like, afterlife has to do with how correct you were? Oh, jeez. Nobody wants that, except for everybody who's, you know, a rule stickler. (laughs) And with that, that's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.